Good day, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way so that you will be better equipped to amplify your impact as a difference maker in any area in your life. We will cover a variety of topics related to authenticity and what it means to bring humanity into the world. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and I am so excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. Welcome to our New Year's episode. Happy New Year, Haley. Happy New Year, Dad. And we're at uh, we're excited to have a, an exciting guest here. Uh, Dad, you've known Howard for a long time. Do you want to give us a, a good introduction about how you met Howard and, and you know how this man fits into your life? We have an exciting guest. We are thrilled to have this, uh, this man with us today. And uh, I'm going to give you a formal introduction. But before I do that, there is a backstory uh, to the story. And the backstory is, Haley, next door to us growing up, there was a family called the Smiths, and their kids lived at our house, and you guys lived at their house. We might as well have had a, we might as well have just uh, built the houses together and just opened the door between us, because we had two families that were basically one family. That's true. Your, those kids were our part of our family, and, and our kids were part of your, their family, and you came, you know, their kids came over to our place after school, and, and uh, it was just, uh, we just considered you all part of the family. And it was a tremendous community that we were raised in with these two families. And we would help each other out. And we it just felt like we had a small little community. Well, I had a Smith family in my neighborhood growing up, and that was the Mitchells. <laughs> and they were part of our family. We I stayed, I went over there after school because my mom worked outside of the outside of the home and so i would often go over to howard's after school howard would often come to our place and we were really raised together so when you talk about the smiths that was i'll talk about the mitchells so that's the personal backstory this man had tremendous impact in my life and his family had a tremendous impact in my life and we are thrilled to have him now i'm going to read you the formal bio on <laughs> Howard. Howard Mitchell is a veteran journalist, reporter, anchor, and producer in several cities. Biznet News, Washington, D.C., KSL News in Salt Lake City, Utah, CFCN News in Calgary, Canada, and PBS station KBYU in Provo, Utah. Over the years, Howard also has championed initiatives and produced powerful media aimed at helping families. Children's Miracle Network, writer and producer of the National Parenting Poll, live from Disneyland with family interviews, excerpt panelists, and celebrity hosts, including Howard Hart, John Schneider, Merlin Olson, and Marie Osmond. Sponsor partners included parents and parenting magazines, Bonneville, Communications, account executive on the creative production and distribution team for the unforgettable Homefront public service campaigns on radio and television. Homefront is the most awarded public service announcement campaign series in history and is internationally recognized for its ability to inspire and motivate families. Howard, welcome to our podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. Well, it is a pleasure to be with you and, and Haley and uh, great introduction. I wrote it myself uh, <laughs> way too long. Those are some bullet points for you, but uh, thanks for going verbatim. Uh, I, I just want to say that uh, family has been at the core of my life. As, as David mentioned, uh, the Irvin family was my family as well. Uh, Harley Irvin was... Uh, he was our scoutmaster, uh, got me interested in skiing. Um, you know, in Canada, you either play hockey in the winter or play hockey in the winter back when we were growing up. And so the notion of skiing was, uh, 
a relief for for a little kid like me who was always the shortest one in the class and uh, never amounted to much. Uh, I stayed peewee hockey all the way through my teenage year. I mean, I, I I quit playing when I was 12 years old. I just didn't have the size, but boy, I could ski. So uh, camping trips and uh, Christmases out at the Irvin, we called it the Irvin Acres uh, out at the lake where we got uh, a lot of our merit badges as scouts. Uh, we could tell a lot of stories about scouting and uh, adventures and misadventures. Uh, but uh, Christmas time, especially the the wood burning stoves and coal burning stoves and the the horses, the dogs, the splitting wood and stoking the fires, and it was it was cold, but it was charming. Uh, Christmas card Christmases. So uh, yes, we we go way back. My older brother was best friends with. Uh, Dr. Hal Irvin, who passed away a few years ago, and, and of course you remember your uncle Hal. Uh, those two were were best friends. Hal Irvin introduced me to uh, to, to a radio series called Stan Freeberg, and uh, we would listen. I mean, I was probably 10, 11 years old, and we just howled. It was the funniest ad agency skits and and, <laughs> and radio. What they say, and it's true is the the best television personalities and and anchors got their start in radio because in radio you have to tell stories with words you can't just show up and do cool splash video and say yep there it is so here's what happened look at that take a look at that back to you bob uh you have to do some creative writing and haley you would appreciate that so growing up in canada i i found that i had a wonderful um, education at uh, Lindsay Thurber Comprehensive High School in Red Deer. When I came down to BYU, I'm not trashing uh, Utah schools or American schools, but I found, uh, can, can I share a quick anecdote before we get? Please. Please. Of course, that's why we're here. We love anecdotes. That's great. <laughs> this was the funniest thing. So I, uh, I, I ended up getting uh, the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship out of high school, which is honors marks in, in uh, five matriculation subjects, one of which was English, uh, science, uh, history, math. Um, uh, I can't remember the other uh, history. Yeah. And uh, didn't get honors marks in French, but I did matriculate in French. So uh, <laughs> I couldn't decide what to do for a career on my brother. Uh, older brother, this friend of Hal's, he said, well, why don't you major in accounting? And I said, oh, sure. Yeah, be a bean counter with the, the visor and the green lamp on the desk. And he says, no, it's more than that. Um, I, uh, I said, why are you majoring in accounting? And he said, because I don't want to be hostage to financial people speaking a language and processes I don't understand. Oh. And I said, well, that sounds, he says, it's fascinating. And uh, so I majored in accounting because by default. So one of the required classes was English, English 110. So mm -hmm. I signed up for that and I show up first day of class and the teacher says, well, welcome everybody. And uh, the, the first assignment is uh, what I did on my summer vacation. And I went, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a great one. Yeah, no. So tell me, what's the real assignment? Said, oh, you think that's funny? Well, that is the assignment. And I went, oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I had, had written a 20-page theme paper on Grapes of Wrath in grade 10. Yeah. And I was expecting college level to be no problem. So came back and and uh remember those you probably don't but david would the opaque projectors where you put a piece of paper down and had a uh, a lens on top and so it would project the actual image of the paper and so she was showing some student papers and they were just bleeding red circles wow. else and and this one kid says uh and it was his paper and he says well well what do you mean i can't say we wasn't going 
it, it cramps my writing style if I have to follow all these rules. And I'm going. How did he get into college? Dear God. Hey, wonderful, wonderful. Oh my gosh. So after after the class, I said uh, to the teacher, I said, what, what are the next assignments? Um, maybe I can like do them all over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so, she said, well, uh, the next one is the most important 10 minutes of my life. And I went, okay. And it went on and on. And and so I I did exactly that. I cranked out all the assignments for the course over the weekend and, and handed them all in and got an A. So that's a tribute to <laughs> my teachers in Alberta. Um, okay. I, I hope the standard is still that high. But my so. point is, when I got into broadcasting, I could write wonderful newscasts, yeah. <laughs> and and I wasn't even in the in the major. I was majoring in accounting, but I uh, I I had served as a as a missionary in Paris, France, for two years, and met a uh, a guy there that I served with, and he was a disc jockey and. And when we got back to the States, he introduced me to uh, 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 a fellow named Doug Wright, who went on to become a legend at uh, in, in Utah, but he was a disc jockey at KCPX. And so we'd go in and just play in the production studios, and I would do mock newscasts. And... Uh, well, here's here's another one close to home. So, so there, David, you you can circle back at the end and draw some leadership navigator conclusion <laughs> to, to this experience and tell me if if this was I won't say ethically proper. It was it's it's how you get some sometimes you have to get a start in a career by you've heard fake it till you make it. Oh yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. So <laughs> So rewind to 16-year-old Howie. So all my friends in Canada still call me Howie. So Dave still calls me Howie. Uh, officially, it's Howard. But um, So 16-year-old Howie uh, had met, met a colleague, met a guy, met through some friends. There was a disc jockey or a news guy in Edmonton uh, at CHED uh, named Bob Layton. And Bob Layton was an award-winning North American, just top, top, but dry sense of humor. Uh, and we would we would mimic him because we thought he was so funny. But he'd say things like, uh, and locally here in Edmonton, a little old lady tried to outrun a freight train last night on the east side. Didn't make it. Funerals on Tuesday. Weather in Edmonton <laughs> is, you know, and I thought, what a that is so like how does he get away with that stuff you know? <laughs> and then guys guys would do uh impersonations uh there was one guy that did uh, Pierre Lepac and he uh, he would just come on and he'd say well okay yes the weather here you know this is Pierre Lepac and uh you know it's going to be a minus uh 25 degrees down there all you peewee hockey players you know you better wear some pretty good you know uh gloves tonight because it's going to be cold while well, this is Pierre Lepac with the weather and and I got to where I could sound like these guys. <clears throat> so at 16, I'm on a date, and there's this brother of of Bob Layton named Ralph Layton. And David might remember Ralph Layton, but it worked for CKRD in Red Deer. So Ralph is uh doing the evening shift. And uh so after the movie, this girl and I, I said, hey. What a swing by! You want to grab some pizza, and we'll swing by the station and and uh, see if Ralph will uh, like like a slice of pizza. <clears throat> so we got the pizza, and I buzz, you know, back door, and the buzzer, and and you hear this, "Who's there?" And I go, "Oh, it's Howie and Janet." Go away! And I went oh, no. with pizza. <laughs> Opens the door. <laughs> go ahead. And uh, we're sitting up there and he's playing the hits and and the phone rings and he's got a mouthful of pizza and he <laughs> says, hey, Howie, you answer that. <clears throat> I went, sure. OK, so I pick up the phone. I go, CKRD, this is Ralph. What can I play for you? And she says, oh, Ralph, could you play um, uh, knock three times? 
uh, on the pipes if you love me, whatever that was. <laughs> and I'm going, uh, yeah, let me check and see. Hang on. I got to check and see. Oh, you know, um, I'll check the playlist. Hang on just a second. And I said, you want to play that knock three times? And he goes, oh, geez, I hate that song. Uh, how about Seals and Crofts, you know, Summer Breeze? And I get back on the phone. I go, well, you know, we just played that yesterday. And it's one of those oldies. And uh, we can only play those once a week. But how would you like Seals and Crofts, Summer Breeze, just for you? She goes, oh, Ralph, that would be perfect. Thank you. And so he puts on the, the track. And I'm going, she thought I was Ralph Layton. Sold it. Do this. <laughs> I, mean, I thought you had to be born, you know, special to be a, a disc jockey or whatever. So I just went, well, that's cool. So I just loved goofing around with microphones. The Irvins oh. had this old reel-to-reel tape recorder, and that's where the Stan Freeberg recordings were. And so, and we'd play around with it. And and uh, this other friend, Doug Lynn, and I would would borrow that from the Irvins and do soundtracks for eight millimeter stop frame action. Anyway, that's how I got started in all so of this. Fun. You've never been an accountant, have you? <laughs> well, that's the other thing. <clears throat> so being down in, in at BYU, uh, I could not work. I could only work on campus. You know how it is with work permits and things. And I thought, well, I could work like some other guys, uh, janitorial, which I had done in Red Deer when I was 15 for Guy Francis cleaning movie theaters and office buildings and scrubbing out ashtrays and mopping floors in the train station. And I thought, I'm, I did enough of that. Uh, I could work landscaping, mowing lawns, and did enough of that. And I thought, I ought to audition, see if I can get on, you know, in, in, in broadcasting. So this friend of mine, Ralph Peterson, he said, you ought to show up, come with me, just sign in to this television production lab at the studios at KBYU. It doesn't go over the air, but it's like mock newscasts. And I went, can I do that? He says, well, just show up and sign in. And I said, well, okay, um, what name should I use? And he says, well, Geez, everybody, we called each other Bob all the time because in broadcasting, it's all right, Bob, thanks to you. All right, Bob, thanks, Bob. So I signed in as Bob Cameron. And uh, so the instructor's going, all right, welcome, everybody. You know, start of the class. So let's see. Uh, so we're going to have uh, Jennifer, you'll be uh, anchor one, uh, Sandra, anchor two, uh, Brett, you'll be uh, weather. Um, let's see, Ralph, you're audio one. Uh, cameras, uh, Bob Cameron. Uh, Bob, uh, this must be your first day here. Uh, we'll put you on camera too. And, um, you know, Bill or whoever it was on camera one, and off we went. And I'm going, my camera, I'm running a studio, television studio camera. And I go up to my friend Ralph and I said, What do I do? And he says, Well, just th this control is for focus. No, focus is left, twist. And the crank is zoom in and out. And then you pan up and a key shot is where you leave room for them to put a graphic in in the upper corner. And uh, a truck sh trucking shot is where you go side to, or dolly is side to side, trucking is in and pedestal up is, uh, thanks, okay. <laughs> and so I'm on the headsets and the director is calling the show and says, all right, Bob, give me a key shot. And so I'm going this, all right, can you creep in a little bit? Great. All right, uh, check your focus. All right, good, thanks. All right, stand by and ready camera two, go two. And I hold still. So I'm going, hey man, I'm a TV cameraman now. And uh, so I I did a lot of that, had access to the studios and I, I put together a, a demo reel, you know, just in, in, in uh, at KCPX studios and read dummy news copy from the Newswire and rolled some commercials and it sounded really good well it didn't hurt that this ralph peterson his father raymond was a had owned a, a small station kovo in provo and and he was they were nuts for radio so they would critique and and that was the thing is they'd go you know <laughs> it's actually called millard county not millard county here in utah <laughs> 
and it's Tuwilla, not Tuli. But other than that, you're sounding pretty good, you know. So they would critique, cool. and uh, so, so I there's got to be a lesson here. There's got to be a lesson here that life doesn't happen because of a of a big plan that you have that you map <laughs> it all no. out. You've just demonstrated that very well. Well, well, part of it is this, guys, is I mentioned Doug Lynn and and the Irvin tape recorder. We were just fooling around and we figured stuff out. And we thought, I wonder if you can record on the right channel without erasing the left channel. So that would allow us to plug a microphone in and do a narration to some already existing audio. Of course, this is that heartbeat with all your computer stuff nowadays. But back then, that was what studios were for. Right? So we figured stuff out and we would sync it to the, uh, you know, to the film stuff we were shooting. Doug's father was a industrial ed teacher in photography and had this eight millimeter camera and we could do stop frame stuff that was really fun. So because we were interested and loved it, we did it. And I remember, David, you know, my brother, Ron, uh, Ronald Mitchell, he's an endowed chair at Texas Tech University. And, and he drew a little chart, flow chart for me. And he talked about uh, developing expertise. And it went something like this. The first square was, I like it, then an arrow. The second square is, I do it and do it because I like it. And then by doing it, I create, I become an expert. So, you know, like it, do it, and then practice and become an expert. So I had spent hours and hours and hours and hours with microphones and audio recording and stuff. So it was just like a kid in a candy store. So they had open auditions at KBYU. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. Uh, and it was for television. And I so I get my suit on, my tie, and I sit down and they clip the microphone on and they roll and record and and I do the uh, you know dun, 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 they do the sounder and then uh, you know today on Capitol Hill, Governor Norm Bangator announced that blah 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 and I do the news story and then I they roll the clip and I do whatever and when I walk off the set and this guy comes up and he says uh, he says uh, that was pretty good. Um, uh, are you interested in radio? And I said, uh, well, maybe I just found out that the television is, is an internship and it doesn't pay. Does radio pay anything here? And he goes, well, you're not shy, are you? And I, I says, no, I, <laughs> I'm Canadian. I, I need yeah. someplace. I need to work on campus. And he goes, oh, well, I'm I'm Bruce Seeley and I'm Canadian. I'm here getting a master's degree. And I'm going, you're Bruce Seeley, like CKXL, Calgary. He goes, uh, yep, that's me. And I said, well, um, yeah, what do I do? And he said, well, can you get me a demo tape? And I said, I'll have it for you, you know, Monday. So I polished one up and handed it to him. And he and I told him that I knew Ralph Layton and he knew Bob Layton from Edmonton and Calgary and news and all that stuff. So here's here's what I was going to say about ethical I let them believe uh, he, Bruce Seeley thought that I had, I told him the pizza Ralph Layton story and we acted up. He thought I had actually gone on to be on the air and I never corrected him. <laughs> so they offered me the job and it was fabulous to do the noon and other newscasts and, and sure beat emptying trash cans and mowing lawns. And and so they said you start on uh, on Monday, but here's access. You can go in and get familiar with the news booth and uh, the recording machines and everything else. And so I spent. So here's another lesson to entitled generations. Not that you're one, Haley, <laughs> but there doing. are there are some that I spent a good eight or ten hours over the weekend just practicing downloading, you know, recording audio feeds and writing newscasts and recording my own with the whole thing to, to where I, I kind of had it. The only thing was I had no clue as to how I actually got on the air. 
<laughs> I, I didn't know. And so I'm getting my newscast ready. It's 1130 and uh, I go on the air at, at noon and I can't see him because it's the next studio over. Adjacent is the on-air classical music host, not a, not a disc jockey. He's, he's a classical music host. So I walk in at, at 10 to noon and there's something playing. And I said, hi, I'm Howard Mitchell. I'm the, the news guy at noon. And he goes, oh, yeah, Howard. Yeah, we knew we were coming on today. He says, great to meet you. He said, uh, uh, looking forward to working together. And I said, uh, yeah, I assume that uh, at 12 noon, uh, you push the magic button and take my board through your board and uh, we're on the air. And he goes, yep, your light will turn red and we're good. And I went, see you at noon. <laughs> That's how it works. Because <laughs> I didn't want to blow my cover. Oh so, my God. Well, see, your introduction was much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, but that's not that's the project, but that's how I got into this whole. So you got to tell us. That's a great segue wow. and a and and a, a great lead in to your project. So you are currently working on a project that you are passionate about, and I. Yeah. This is what we want to know, which is when I felt loved. This is the name of the project. So you got to tell us about this project All right. before we run out of time. So these stories, these are great stories. Through, through, through my career, um, I did end up another story for another podcast, uh, graduating with a degree in accounting. I strung it out to stay in the country and ended up auditioning or sending a tape and getting a, a, a job at CFCN up in Calgary. And, and uh, uh, so I worked at KSL and, but KBYU was, is the the family television station so here we go and, and and so i would record the station id you're watching kbyu tv channel 11 the ones to watch utah's family television and so yeah it was a, a family tv environment well from from those early beginnings i ended up working for a um uh, uh Children's Miracle Network, if you're familiar with, it's the network of hospitals and all over North America, and they help hospitalized kids raise money, Marie Osmond, John Schneider, all of those. And, and so David had mentioned in the introduction, the National Parents Poll and Parenting Poll. So what we did, David will remember this, uh, they haven't done it for decades, but they used to have, it was one of the first interactive media things in broadcasting. Um, they would have the national driver's test. And so they would put up questions like you would take on your driver exam, and then they would display answers. Is it A or B or C or D, true or false? And you would keep your own score, and then they would reveal the results at the end of the broadcast. You, you, you didn't do live vo voting. There were no cell phones. There were you know, calling numbers. And, and so... This was kind of like that. It was, it, but the parenting poll was. Tw we negotiated a deal with Parents Magazine. They had five hundred thousand subscribers back then, when magazines were more popular than they are today, pre-internet, and and they gave up editorial content and published the poll, and we got about fourteen, close to fifteen thousand responses. So that's a huge, huge sample size, mm. and and then we had guest panel members. And, and, and then I produced filler material to go, you know, interstitial segments, which uh, I rolled, roved around uh, Disneyland with permission. We had a Disney host and I would stop families that were first, the host would go up and say, we're doing the Children's Miracle Network broadcast live from Disneyland over at the Beauty and the Beast Theater. But part of that is we'd like to hear from parents and families. Would you have a few minutes for our producer and uh, guy to ask you some questions? So they'd say, sure, we're just waiting for grandma and grandpa to show up for lunch. We got time. And so we'd roll up with our cameras and clip on mics and I would interview them. Hmm. And I found it fascinating. Now, a, a lot of the questions were on safety and uh, 
but some were curfew, and but one stuck out in my mind. There was this one, she was an 18-year-old girl, and she said, you know, I never had a curfew. Hmm. And most kids would probably go, Yahoo, no curfew. But you know, I was jealous of my friends because I just knew that their parents loved them enough to want to protect them. Oh. And I just felt like maybe my folks just didn't care. Oh. Oh. And of course, you know, we rolled that and, you know, we never got last names. We just would say you know, Janet or whatever her name was. So that stuck with me. And then um, a couple of years later, I was working for Bonneville Communications and uh, in Salt Lake City. And they produce, you're too young to remember, but it was a big deal, these home front spots. Mm -hmm. So think of Chicken Soup for the Soul stories. But yeah. imagine those as a 60-second public service announcement. So these are these crafted, wonderfully written, tug-at-the-heartstrings vignettes. And so I was involved in, in creative with some of those and producing. And we actually filmed uh, a lot of them in, in Vancouver and Toronto. Wow. And, uh, and I remember one. So just to give you an example. So imagine visually there's this hut made out of driftwood and and planks and stuff this is on uh, in in vancouver near the beach in in the nice forest and inside there's an apple box and some magazines and junk and it's a fort for kids you know kids it's it's their it's their clubhouse it's their fort and you know so you get a little dust and there's some light shining through and it, it looks pretty cool and the deal is they're yucking it up because the one kid says, yeah, man, I, I'm dead meat. Like, you know, I'm, if, if my folks ever found out I was uh, that I was here and uh, I, I had to lie to him and tell him so I could come down here and hang out. And the other one says, yeah, I told them I was, you know, over playing soccer, you know, and the other one uh, and they're going, what's that? I hear something in the bushes and on the trail. Oh no, it's the moms, you know. <laughs> and and then this other the, the one kid, they're looking at him go, aren't you gonna hide? He says, No. I told my mom I was coming down here to hang out with you guys. And the whole thing was tell the truth. And so the other moms grab the kids by the ear and yank them out, and the kid gets to stay there with all the treats and fun and, and all that. Uh, another <laughs> one was called Stood Up. We shot this in Toronto. And there's a shot of a just a real just a nice looking gal, not not a gorgeous movie star look, but wholesome, nice teenager. And and she's just finishing primping and her mom's helping her and ready for the date. And they start looking at their watches and see the clock and it's ticking and 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. And, you know, she's just dejected and you can tell that he's not coming. And and then there's a knock at the door and she lights up a little bit, opens the door and it's her dad who had snuck out the back, picks some, you saw him, you know, pick some flowers and says, you're ready to go and and takes her on a daddy daughter date and they're smiling and, you know, hamburger milkshake kind of stuff. And I thought. That's that's cool. You know, the, the, I think pe more people should should think outside the box. So I'm doing these, you know, family type things, Children's Miracle Network, Bonneville. Um, and and one of our clients um, asked us, well, it, it, it was the, the, the home front folks. And they said, we have like 30 years. We've won, uh, won awards we're kind of known as the family church. Uh, in fact, the, the Catholic church would call us and say, can we use the home front about the whatever, whatever in our, in our counseling and family, you know, programs. And we give them written permission so they could use those in their, in their classes. And they said, could you, you know, think about 
someday just doing something for radio and give us some ideas. So this was long after I had left Bonneville, <clears throat> a colleague said, hey, would you remember that conversation we had about family radio? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, could we contract with you to to develop some ideas? Hmm. So I I came up. Oh, and, and Dave and Haley, the universal sign for wrap it up is this. So if I'm going <laughs> too long, just. No, this is great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I, I came back with three concepts. And the reason I want to share the, all three of them is because of the, the one that I favored the most. So one was, I said, look, why don't we just look at everybody that's doing good family stuff? The World Conference on Family, which was somewhere in Europe, and states that have passed family-friendly legislation and have family expo events and things. I said, why don't we just kind of get information from all this good family minutia, just this good family stuff? What are people doing around the world to promote good family values and helps and parenting? Okay, that's concept one. So I wrote that. I said, concept two, you have Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, just down the road, and they have the highest concentration of family scholars hmm. in the world. So why don't we just go down and just have, you know, once a week, what's up in the world of families? Just like you have uh, Dr. James Dobson focus on the family in Colorado Springs. Um, does wonderful work promoting parenting ideas. I said, we have our own group of experts and research and everything else. So let's report on what's working and what we should be doing and what are the experts saying. And then the third one, for me, it, it just, it, it came back to the interview with the 18-year-old in Disneyland. Just talking to people, perfect strangers, and I thought, and I patterned this out. I'll, I'll give credit to David. I don't know if you ever had organizational behavior 321 at, at BYU, but they, one of the, the books for the course was called Working uh, by Studs Terkel. And Studs Terkel, uh, I, you ought to get it. You ought to just for fun find it in the library. But this is a crusty old newspaper guy with a, hat and a cigar and a tape recorder and he crisscrosses the country and he asks people it's out of the blue shows up what they do for a living what's their career second question would you do it all over again if you could would you hmm. choose this you know do you like what hmm. you do and and what would you do differently and so he has like a 100 200 chapter many chapters you know three or four pages that's thick it's it's no three inches thick. It's no a way. great. So I was fascinated by it, and and from scientists to teachers to call girls to what back then were stewardesses, um, and uh, remember the movie Ender's Game, yeah, with Harrison yep. Ford. Yep. So Orson Scott Card was my project partner in organizational, uh, he's the author of Ender's Game of yeah. OB321. Yeah. So I said, hey, dude, let's, sure, we could do a 50-page research paper, but why don't we do an illustrated version of working? So hmm. let's go take some pictures. I mean, I'll take pictures and and uh, I'll interview people and we'll put an AV presentation together. So that's, that's what I did. So I kind of kept my teeth on just getting people to kind of do I replicated? I knocked off what he did, but it 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 got us a an A in the class without having to write fifty. So I'm ready, primed to do this. I thought I'm going to do a studs turkle kind of thing. Hmm. And so I proposed, just man on the street, talking to people, and asking them, where did you grow up, and what was your family like. Growing up, were they strict or freewheeling? What kind of kid were you? Were your, your parents authoritarian? Authoritarians? Did you camp? Was sports a big thing? 
but did your mom work or not you know and family dinner you know just tell me what your family life was like and what you were like as a kid what, what you, were you into what did you do you know were you popular were you a nerd were you a geek you, know, you don't have to answer that but so i'd say uh, so, so that's the one that i really favored so i wanted to do a test run so i was working for a, 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 a i was in las vegas doing something totally different for a client uh, a big show expo and i had four five hours after i was done working until my shuttle left to the airport and i had brought with me a digital tape recorder and a, and a broadcast quality microphone and i thought i'm just gonna stroll around las vegas and test out this concept well, and and so you know i got a ball cap on and you know shirt jeans and just walking around and this microphone and i thought i'm gonna pick people who are not in a rush to be anywhere yeah. and i'm gonna target couples so that it doesn't look like i'm accosting anybody or hitting <laughs> on people or whatever <laughs> so there's this couple and and i eye them they're just leaning against kind of this side of a building on the strip or uh, you know near where you sell tickets for shows and things and people coming and going and i watched and they weren't going anywhere they were just talking and i thought well that'd be good i'll go ask him and i thought oh I said, dear God, help me think, know what's the best question to get like a heartfelt story like we used to produce in these home front spots. So I walk up and, and I said, uh, I said, hey, would, uh, my name's Howard Mitchell. I'm producing a, a, a pilot for a family based radio show. Would you have a minute or two just to answer a few questions about what it was like growing up in your family and I said sure yeah what? And, and I said so and, and I'm talking to her and I said so what was it like growing up in the in the in the 80s and she said oh you're very kind try the 60s you know it was the old <laughs> women's age and and I said where did you grow up and she said uh, uh Red Deer Alberta <laughs> no <laughs> way oh yeah yeah red deer sure i know red deer and she <laughs> goes no nobody knows red deer i says oh yeah and lacombe and innisfail and olds and and you got the uptown theater downtown and you get she goes <laughs> I, said, I grew up in red deer too and, and no way. Funny. And, and so she said you know my <laughs> folks my my father was not one to show love at all uh very stern um she said I was a pretty good student and so she gives me a lot of background of what it was like growing up and she says and and then it hit me like a bolt from the sky ask this question can you tell me and take me there share a story of when you knew and I'm sure you you knew you were loved but some time some story some event when you knew absolutely that your mother or father loved you and the guy looks at me like, ah, bah, bah. and she goes, oh, yeah. She says, from the time I was 12 years old, I wanted to wear makeup. All my friends were wearing makeup. And my dad said, no daughter of mine is going to paint her face. You know what you look like when you need it. And, and so 13, 14, 15, I just wanted to wear some makeup. And he just flat out refused. He said, you are not wearing makeup. No daughter of mine in this house is wearing makeup. So she said, I remember on my 16th birthday, we were in the family room and everybody's you know, got presents and, and, and the last present, and she says, I remember it. It was like this foil, you know, that foil paper that kind of glistens and this bow and, and she, my father hands this to me and I and I tear it open and it's like so you got to understand this is in the 70s so it was like a 150 dollar makeup kit and I knew my dad thank you that's great wow. so and, wow. and the look in her eyes and the smile on her face and 
he turns to her and he goes, I never heard that. I never knew that. And, and I said, that's the, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up to perfect strangers and ask them, get some background, get some backstory and ask them when they felt loved growing up in their family. Um, so I would carry a little, you know, digital recorder. Uh, I've done this for 20 years. Uh, just wherever early on it was you know what a cd is compact yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and play music but they they came out with mini cds that you could actually record onto so they're blank but it's digital and so i had one of these early little mini and they're great quality and i could plug in a broadcast quality mic and i just care so when i'm traveling on business or anything else or with the family i would just Say, oh, I'm going to do. Originally, I called it. I'm giving you more than you want to know. I called it "Memories from the Heart," but mm -hmm. I, I got thinking. So, in this latest iteration, I thought that sounds too much like Hallmark. Too much. It, it doesn't say exactly what it is because you could have all sorts of memories, and it's not romance. Yeah. And so, I, I shifted gears into, you know, when I felt loved. So, you have this whole library of stories. Of when yeah. perfect strangers tell you when they felt loved. Yep. Now, my hit rate is about 60%. I get people that'll say, oh, yeah, I, my folks love me. They always came to my games. <laughs> okay. Well, I, that's not one of these tug at your heartstring kind of stuff. And I thank them. Yeah. And I say, that's great. Because there are times when, and they can't, and, but. When you, I, I did, I did talk to some of these parenting experts at BYU as part of the other project, but I did ask, I did, I did this on them as well, and I got their stories, even though I wasn't, I was a stranger, but it wasn't a uh, total impromptu. But, but one of them said, "Well, it's no surprise that if if a perfect stranger walks up and asks you to share a story." of when you felt loved, if one comes to mind, it's going to be something that had deep, deep emotion and impact. Yeah. And, and that's the magic of this. So these aren't fabricated, wonderfully fabricated stories like we used to do, or hybrid stories, you know, composite stories like chicken soup for the, those are wonderful and they make you feel good. But these are, you, you cannot debate the authenticity of someone's own words. Well, and I'm actually going to bring this back to our theme here, which is authenticity. These oh. are the real deal. And these are lying on the surface of the heart of those that you ask. And it just comes spontaneously. Yep. They don't have time to try to impress or embellish. They just tell you what happened. Now, of course, I clean them up, you know, and I and I pull the uh, maybe 60 seconds or whatever. And, and I use other elements of the interview that I, I have available to help set the stage. Do we have time for me to share one of the one? Of course, other of course, yeah, of course. Um, or two. Yeah. So with with yeah. my project, one of the things something happened surreptitiously. One interview, he said, uh, and I won't share the story, but he said, and and that has, it was the way his father treated him in a good way when he was in trouble. But he said, that has echoed in my life and the way I treat my kids. Mm -hmm. And so now you have these linchpin moments for parents to go, wow. So this guy now acts differently toward his kids because now, this wasn't a PhD saying, so you need to do this, 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 and this, and your kids will turn out just as good as mine, you know, which is rarely the case anyway. I'm being snarky and facetious, but the, the audience can draw their own conclusion. So, yeah. so I'm on a, on a kayaking trip. I mean, I carry this airports and on the beach, and I, I had to laugh at, at my teenage daughter uh, David, you've met her, Diana. She's now finishing residency. Uh, she's a doctor in Cleveland. <laughs> but when she was 14, we were at Disneyland with some cousins, and and they were having fun, and they were going to go off and do the 
you know, Splash Mountain. And I said, well, you guys go, you know, have fun, be careful. I'm going to go do some of these back then. I call it memories from the heart interviews. And she rolls her eyes and she goes, oh, I can't believe you just walk up to some total stranger. That is so embarrassing. I would never do that, you know. And and I and I said, you know, Diana, people often thank me after I because it brings some joy to their life and their eyes sparkle. And anyway, she she takes off. So I'm. I, I just would take it anywhere. And if I had a few minutes, I'd, I'd ask people. So I'm on a kayaking trip with a friend from back east and had never met any of the other guys on the trip. And so the first night before we launched, we're up in Quebec, actually, uh, by uh, Mont-Tremblant, north of that, north of Montreal, uh, La Verandrie, which is a massive, massive recreational area, chain of lakes. And, and so we we're going to be there for a week. And I, so we're sitting there uh, at night, nothing to do. So I said to this one guy, uh, Peter, I said, uh, hey, I'm doing this radio show. And uh, would you, can I? And so I interview him. And his first line was, I said, what it was like growing up in your family. And, and, and I'll use this line in some show. But he said, well, first of all, you won't want to use my interview because I'm not the typical kid growing up. I had short hair when everybody had long hair in you know, in high school. And now he has, you know, ponytail. He says, I have long hair whenever people have short hair. And he says, in my family life, you don't want to know. Uh, I don't think I can give you a, a, a great story. But he says, I'll say this. He says, my, my mother was very, so I asked him, so I got the background. And then I asked him the question, is there a time when you knew that your mother loved you? And he said, and he'd already said, well, she was a free spirit. And in, in, the, in the late 60s, early 70s, she just wanted to be hippie lifestyle. And she dropped me off, dropped us off, two kids at my grandparents' place and picked us up two years later. Hmm. I mean, so was she the perfect mom? No. Hmm. Um, and then he told some great stories of his grandfather and the love he shared and things he taught. But he said, when I was about 13, I was living with my mom and uh, and she would, you know, do modify furniture and paint and very artsy and but but he says i i got this mini bike this junky old mini bike and and i wanted to take it apart and see how it worked and so i took it all apart including the engine and then i couldn't put it back together again i didn't know how to put it back together again and i'm 13 and i'm and i'm crying and I, he says, I don't know whether she found me or I found her, but she said, well, let's go take a look at it. And he goes, no, no, no. What are you? He says, no, let's go down. So all these parts on a sheet in the basement. And he says, for three hours, we sat there. She sat there and puzzled it out and put that engine back together again. And there was one bolt and we didn't know where it went. But it started right up and it ran for several years afterwards. So as wow. not a perfect mom, she, she could have said, oh, engines, I don't know, engines, I, I paint. I and, and he knew that she loved him. And, wow. and so I look at a number of stories and go, what, what would I do with my children? You know? and, and I started looking at some of the, I made a decision once. I said, I could be watching this football game, but my daughter's want to play dress up in the backyard. I have three daughters. <laughs> and I just thought, three hours putting a mini bike in. Turn off the TV. And I just went out and we made teepee huts and they did this and that. And so it affects me. And I thought, if somebody has one good positive action toward their children or in a relationship, then then they came to that conclusion themselves themselves so that's, that's how what you I'm would doing. describe your dream for doing this the why that. you do this yeah 
Yep. You're okay. you're planting seeds that will extend beyond this generation. Yep. And okay. and it's not heavy-handed. And again, it's authentic. Yeah. And it works. But A, so, I'm just a curious kind of guy. And yeah. I love the stories and I love editing them. And and I think I, I I'm planning to do my own podcast at some point, get a co-host and 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 just talk about not as a heavy-handed uh, condescending here's what you need to do but just uh you know wow yeah well so, this has been delightful my friend and you mm -hmm. are a storyteller and we had no idea where this was going to go or how i great love it this yeah well i just find like it's it's such like beautiful authentic parenting advice right like there's so many books out there that live in that vague generalize, you know, almost like horoscopy kind of land where you sort of pick and choose and make it apply to your life in whatever way. But these are like such beautiful, practical, authentic moments of like, you know, just just doing what you can to love your child or love your family. Right. And and how far that goes. Right. It's not about, you know, like being a perfect parent. It's about, you know, being the perfect parent for your kid at that moment and how important that is. And that's just so, you know, beautiful. So well, here's what I'm going to suggest. Yeah. We're going yeah. to wrap this episode up with some very reflective uh, ideas here that we're taking away and some great inspiration. And we would, for our next episode, Howard, we would like you and invite you to interview us oh, and find out from us, Haley, what, how did you know that you were loved? And I'll answer that question. Now let's put us on the spot and have you be the interviewer next episode how's that sound howard it, it sounds wonderful you you do have the advantage of time to think about it and, <laughs> and so it won't be quite as impromptu as a perfect <laughs> stranger walking up and hitting you cold but it'll still be real how um, about we make a pact that we don't do the embellish. best we can haley to take this out okay. of our mind and be as spontaneous as we can next week i'll do what i can Sounds good. <laughs> now we end every episode, Howard, with a little ritual. And the ritual that we are going to end with, and I'm going to suggest we keep up that ritual, which is Before we share. Before you do that, can I interrupt you? I'm, I'm terrible. Absolutely. No, this is but great. I was expecting a question from you, and you can save it for the next episode. We ought to kick it off this way. But I thought one of you would say, so Howie, tell me, when's the time when you knew... <laughs> You were loved growing up in your family. I literally have that circled, Howard. So if you want, you can answer that one right now if you want, Howard, or we can put you on the spot. I oh, actually David, thought about putting you on the spot the next week. You're running and you're ready to wrap up. So we can save it for next week because I, 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 I would it. suggest, why don't we do that next week? And Howard, you must also not think about it then until next week. <laughs> we'll have a pact. <laughs> it's going right. to be very difficult not to think about something that we've been told not to think not about. To think about. It's like meditating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't think about anything except think about not thinking about something. <laughs> exactly. Oh. But no, we no. will include that and we will interview you. And so between the three of us, we will have some rich stories in our next episode. So here's right. how we end our episodes, Howard. We end our episodes with what are you grateful for today? Haley, do you want to kick us off? I think we should kick Howard off to start with the impromptu, authentic path, if you'd like. <laughs> Well, um, I am grateful, A, for this opportunity to get to know Haley, for one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard Haley and Chandra names and, and Melissa names, you know, for decades. <laughs> but uh, I, I love your personality. I love the brightness in your eyes, your smile, <laughs> and, and probably wisdom beyond your years. Um, I hope. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm grateful for that, and it stems to a friendship with with David, and which was uh, renewed and and uh, fortified again uh, over the weekend last weekend. And you're familiar with the funeral for a dear friend, and we were both at that and had a chance. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm grateful for for the rich heritage growing up, and and the fact that. David has obviously passed that along. Yeah. A sense of family and community. All right. Yeah. Well, That's let me. me let me go next, and I sure. I shall say that I too am reminded how grateful I am for my 
rich heritage. Yeah. And the values that were instilled in me from a very early age. And we, we did have a celebration of life last week uh, where we had, we had actually, I, I talked about the Mitchells, but we actually had a band of five brothers. Uh, and I wrote about it in a post today, actually, about the upbringing of these five young boys that played together in the ravine behind the church and caused trouble in the pews in the back row of the church. And <laughs> we did our hiking together and, and our boy scouts together became queen scouts together. And one of the, I believe the last father of those families passed away last week. Yeah. So it was a bit of an end of an era. We still have one more mother left. Uh, of those five, but everyone else's parents have passed. And I'm reminded in this podcast today how grateful I am for those early learnings, those relationships, that community, true community that we had growing up that was that we were held together by our faith, our friendship, and our families. Beautiful. So thank you for reminding of thank you, David. reminding me of that. And uh, I had forgotten what a what a crazy storyteller you are. <laughs> I love this. Entertaining and inspiring, believe me. Well, Bailey, well, you know, do you want to wrap us up? Howard, were you going to say something? I was just going to say that on the list of things that people fear the most, the number one is public speaking. But mm -hmm. that's not a problem for me. Just <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know that now. <laughs> it's great. I think honestly, what I'm grateful for, I, I don't know if my dad mentioned Howard, but I'm um, 15 weeks into my very first pregnancy with my husband right now. So like, oh, uh, yeah, thank I you. Know that. Thank you. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, so I've been, you know, reading all these parenting books and getting a little bit overwhelmed with how daunting it feels. But this, this conversation was just such a breath of fresh air, I think. And just, you know, knowing, you know, how to be a, a good parent and, you know, just reminding that all it really is, is about, you know, keeping the kid alive and loved. <laughs> That's really the <laughs> only job. So, you know, so it's just been like really reaffirming for that and gets me out of the anxious. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's so much online. Oh my God. What am I going to do all these books and how am I going to read all of these things? And, you know, just helping me come back down to earth a little bit. So it was just, I'm really, really grateful for, for these teachings and, and this wisdom and yeah. So it's very exciting. So, yeah. So thank you. And your husband's name is AJ, short for AJ. Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. AJ. So he's not around right now. He's with his mom right now. But yeah, so we're Maybe pretty. We'll cover this next episode. But Howard, would you leave us with one thought for Haley? Oh, sure. One piece of advice that you've learned these years in all these interviews you've done. What advice would you give a young woman who is expecting her first child? Well, to synthesize 45 stories that I've just been going through, um, <clears throat> if, I would say, well, two things, listen, and you'll hear that, that's, that's so trite, but uh, it, th this is a personal one, and sorry, we're going into overtime, oh, but... Okay eldest daughter, Diana, little two-year-old, we pull into the, uh, into the garage and I go to get her out of her car seat and I unbuckle and I pick her up and she's fighting and screaming and kicking and, and just howling and pushing me, pushing me. And I thought, man, cause I, I have a producer mentality. Like I, I produce live television or uh, live events. So I'm wearing the headset and I'm on comms and I have a lighting director and I have an audio guy and I have a stage manager and they all do their jobs and they're all very good at it and things work. So it's unsettling for me when someone doesn't do their job <laughs> in, in the production. And so she wasn't doing her job it was just a simple <laughs> out of the car seat into the and and i'm struggling and struggling and i'm pulling and pulling and she's kicking and fighting and she's in tears and i'm getting frustrated and frustrated and finally the thought came to me stop and i stopped and i thought and i sat down on the steps going up into the house and she's in there just heaving still in her car seat and and the thought came to me, 
find out what she wants. Wow. She's not just doing this to be a pill. <laughs> I don't think. So I said, and I took a guess and I said, Diana. So listen, but also ask sincere questions. I said, Diana, is it you just wanted to be a big girl and undo the buckles yourself and get out by yourself? And she goes, Oh, oh. Going, and now I'm in tears. Oh. Like, oh, sweetie. So I buckled it up again. <laughs> let's pretend we just oh in fact i'll close the door so i open the door and say we're home let's go in and she fiddles and she unbuckles and she undoes it she crawls out and runs in just as happy and can be and i'm sitting there just spin so that's what i would say i love that you think you have to be the the disciplinary i'm not saying give them everything they want let them run free range <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's fun though, and it is healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stop and think and go, I wonder what is going on inside that little head. Yeah. I love that. Just listen and ask questions. I love that. A great way to wrap it up. Thanks, thanks guys. For, thanks for touching me today, my Thank friend. Thank you. Thank you it's, for all your uh, stories. That was... I'm so grateful that you and uh Haley had an opportunity to get to know each other a little bit today. Oh, that was a delight. Yeah, that and was a delight. We'll see you next episode with some more questions. All right. Thanks for listening, Thanks, everybody. everybody.